James. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. It is CISO Thursdays, and I'm here with my two besties. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And I'm here with my two favorite people in the world. First, Chris Folon. Hey everyone, um, security enthusiast and career coach. I'll leave it at that. That's right. And Mr. James Azar. Pray for Cuba, folks. Um, no, James Azar, CISO and a uh, cybersecurity enthusiast, podcast host, you name it, I do it. Don't, don't forget about Haiti while you're at it. Yeah, pray for Haiti, pray for Cuba, pray for Hong Kong, uh, pray for Germany and Belgium who have just had massive flooding and there's a leak in one of the nuclear reactors outside of Antwerp in Belgium. Um, over, I think, 20 or 30 people have died in the last several hours there. So uh, the yeah. world's in turmoil. So I didn't know that. That's, a, that's new. I, I mean, I didn't hear that one yet. I heard about the 50 or so... Um, I believe was it in Germany? Yeah, but it's on the border of Germany and Belgium. And in Antwerp, there's a nuclear power plant that's now been shut down um, mm. because of a issue there, which is uh, likely weather related. Wow, wow! So. Super sorry to to hear that. Um, for all the folks that are here, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, tons of people are jumping off from YouTube, so we're really, really excited about that. And should we just start jump right into our topic for today? Yeah, let's do it, Renee. Let's do it. So, Chris, you want to talk about supply chain? Sure, why not? Um, <clears throat> Solar Winds is hitting the news again. Um, CISA sent out updates in regards to a another zero day vulnerability that's being exploited in the wild. Uh, so yeah, patch your systems. Um, I mean, it, it comes back to what we've been saying from the beginning, right? Know what your, your risk is, where your risk stands. And when we talk about supply chain risk, we're talking about risk that is inherent in an organization outside of your control, but is part of the integral functioning of your business and um, critical functions. So you still have to understand the risks that come along with working with companies like that. And it becomes part of the risk equation for yourself and how you tackle um, working with them and putting in controls and mitigating controls while working with them. James? Yeah. So, so. I, I agree with everything you said. I want to bring a human perspective to supply chain, which I think is very critical when we talk about breaking into cybersecurity, because at the end of the day, um, we do CISO Thursdays, and really the people who we speak with, all of you people who listen and watch and comment and you know join in on the fun, you're all looking to break into security or starting your careers into security or looking to advance your careers into security. And then a question is posed. And that question that is posed is oftentimes um, around risk and supply chain. And that leads a very that leads to a very interesting discussion. And the interesting discussion around that is, you know, what is the responsibility of 
um, every person who works within security when it comes to the supply chain. And Chris brought up solar winds. You know, solar winds. This is like I said, um, uh, we're going to get picked apart because of the original solar winds. So <laughs> we're, th- this is just an example of stuff that's going on, and it shows you the lack. Uh, of, of sometimes ingenuity that we're lacking in security when it comes to the diversity of thought that we need from people with different backgrounds. So if you're a developer, if you've uh, been a software engineer, we need people like you to transition into security. We do because our supply chain challenges don't exist with a data center. They exist within the software aspect of uh, the supply chain. So when you say that we need, um, we need you, Folks are some of the challenges that I hear often, and you know we've been doing this for quite a while. Is that how, how what what's the pathway? Like we do need these people. We need folks that have the different different um, perspectives, coming out of different areas of IT and out of different um, areas of just business in general. What would you recommend, James, from what you've been seeing um, recently, especially in terms of how like a, a, a direct path for folks to get in? So when you think of supply chain security, those aren't entry level roles. Right. And Chris and I, we, we had the pleasure of being at an event together last week on Friday that Paul Cumming uh, put together for veterans uh, breaking into cybersecurity, which you guys inspired you, Renee, and you, Chris, inspired Paul to do that. He pays you homage, I think, every single time he talks about the initiative <laughs> he because he goes, you inspired him to do it. So one, hats off to both of you for being such an inspirational force to drive someone who's looking to uh, serve a community that served all of us so um, so loyally for so many years being in the armed services who volunteer to go and put themselves in harm's way. Um, in order to fight for our freedoms. Now, we take that for a second, and I want to go back to the point that I was trying to make where Chris and I last week, uh, when we were on the uh, Zoom call, one of the things that I brought up was the whole concept of we ha- our biggest shortage in cybersecurity today isn't a red teamer or a purple teamer or a blue teamer or a tier one or tier two analyst. Those are not the jobs I have a hard time hiring. I have a hard time hiring people in the mid to director level roles, mid management to director levels, you know, even VP roles are very, very hard to fill because you look at that title and you realize you need someone with at least eight years of experience. Well, how many mid-level managers have eight years of experience in something, right? And there comes the whole, there comes the whole issue. So yeah, we need smart people. And the way to do that is to go and, um, Take a cert from ISC squared or from ISACA. Uh, don't do it from EC Council, um, but from ISC squared or ISACA or or any or, or CompTIA or or anywhere else where you can get a cert, as long as it's not EC Council. Um, and <laughs> and there's an EC Council episode you guys should go back and listen to. I think it was three weeks ago when Naomi and I took over the show all by ourselves, right? It was the Naomi and James Siso Thursday. Right. Um, but it's, it's, um, it, it was that specific um, episode um, that we talked a little bit about that. But go and get those certs. And if you're working somewhere, 
most companies give you training dollars. Go and get those training dollars to get certified in security and then start to build those relationships and cross over because we need those people. I need someone who understands software but also understands security but also has the soft skills to lead a team or manage a team. Yeah. And they only, a, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, I have a LinkedIn group um, dedicated to advancing your cybersecurity career. And a gentleman yesterday said he had 11 years of experience in IT and was wondering how he could move over into cybersecurity. And I said, start with where you are. Look at the systems, uh, hardware, software that you're securing, that you're running, and see how you can ensure that they run more securely, run more efficiently, help enable the business. And just by doing those security-oriented things within your role, you can make your make your senior leadership aware or your security leadership aware that you have a passion for this, and then they're more likely to recruit you within your organization. Yeah. And to Chris, to, to add to what you're saying, you know, I'll, I'll be Naomi for two seconds. She talks about this often saying, you know, be that cybersecurity champion if you're in if you're already in an organization. So if you're in the organization, you're somewhere else in IT. She talks about this all the time, being that champion, being that, you know, volunteering your efforts in the security uh, department so that they're aware of you. You're the cyber champion for your uh, group. You know, you're communicating with them while you're doing what James is talking about in terms of getting the certification. And just so people are aware, you know, what I've seen uh, when it comes to certs, because I get this question all the time too, like what cert, what cert? And the cert is not going to get you the job, but the cert will show that you have a level of education and knowledge. And clearly you're trying to go in this direction and lay it on top of the things that you already know and some practice with what you're doing, you know, makes you a valuable candidate for, um, an organization. So uh, some shout outs here, Paul Cummings. He says, team, awesome. Paul, we were just talking about you <laughs> two seconds ago. James is saying how awesome you are with the group that you started. And so thank you so, so much for being here. While we're talking about Paul, um, they're putting on a um, veteran um, only career fair uh, virtually that him and his group are organizing. You're working to get organizations who are looking to actively recruit veterans uh, to collaborate with them and to do active um, hiring on site. That event will be September 24th. Uh, so reach out to Paul Cummins and or Peter Klein at Boots to Books for more information. Thank you, sir. And Paul, I know I have a message in my inbox from you. Yes, I will be there <laughs> helping to get some folks into some roles for sure. Uh, so Peter Klein says, wahoo. Um, Jonathan Harris said hello earlier. Uh, let's see. Al Minigan says hi. Good afternoon. Where's everybody reaching out from? We are, I, I try to remember to do that early in the show. And uh, Jeremiah Parker as well. So, Paul, you're doing some awesome things. Thank you so much for being the person that you are in the community. So, folks, what I mean, are there any other questions that people have? Um, 
as we talk about supply chain, as we talk about, you know, breaking in, transitioning, bringing the experience that you have um, from one area into another. You know, Chris and I, when we wrote our wrote the book, the book, where's the book? I had it right before we went live. <laughs> wrote the book. That's another thing. Everybody has to get our book. Buy our, put it closer, Chris. Closer, closer. I'm going to put you, zoom you in on you. Right there. Perfect. Develop your cybersecurity career path. How to break into cybersecurity at any level. So Chris and I are very proud of this book. We put our blood, sweat, tears, and fingers <laughs> into, <laughs> into discussing the different aspects. And one of the chapters, we do talk about transitions because we, we are, and, and Gary Hayslip, who's, all, who's a veteran that many of you know, um, who has transitioned in, into you know, a very prominent CISO, is uh, also talks about these transitioning in as well. So definitely go get the book. And when, when you think about um, supply chain for your organization, you want to think about uh, any, any organization which you send or receive information from, think about how you send or receive information. Do they have direct access to your system or do they store information on your behalf? Do they act on your behalf? And if they do, what controls do they have around um, your data that they're storing on your behalf or the things that you're, they're doing on your behalf uh, so that you can manage your risk when it comes to them doing those actions and storing that data on your, on, on your organization's behalf? Great. More comments. Oh, Terry's here from Toronto, from Canada. I was about to say Toronto, <laughs> from Canada. We're in Canada. Canada's a big, huge country. Um, Paul Cummings says, "Woohoo! Our team will always be welcome at any event." Jeremiah and Peter are the team behind this September twenty fourth event. Thank you so much, Paul. Peter Klein says, "Thank you so much for sharing, Chris, Renee, and James. Thank you for the great information as well. Awesome." And Chris, Paul is thanking Chris for signing up, offering a signed copy to Jeff Fields during the monthly mentor event. Yes, so we're giving away signed copies of the book. Chris did a phenomenal job. I saw the pictures of the books being mailed out this week um, where this is you know, what we've been talking about, people transitioning. So do folks have any questions? Oh, he's from Montreal, sweet. Um, any questions when it comes to supply chain? Do people even know what supply chain is? Well, if you so everything is part of a supply chain, right? So let's define that real quick. Yeah. Um, today we live in a world that's all SaaS, right? So an average organization, an average person, I think today has like 180 different logins and passwords for 180 different okay. softwares that's being used in your personal and, and work life. So think of all the apps on so, your phone. So James, for the people who for the people who don't know what SaaS is, software as if a they service. don't know, software as a service. So so you you look at all the software as a service that we use, anything from like a Canva to Office 365 to you name it. LinkedIn. Um, yeah, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, if you like a thing called Twitter, um, you know, if 
any app that you have on your phone, these are all SaaS, and we all use these SaaS uh, um, uh, applications or environments. And so an average business today, I think um, an average company today has over 2,000 um, vendors that are part of its SaaS ecosystem directly or indirectly. So if you look at any most companies today, a lot of them have so many companies that support what they do. And when we talk about supply chain, we talk about the integrity of all of those companies that provide us services. So for example, if I use Microsoft, if I use uh, Azure for my cloud provider, I need to make sure that Azure continually runs. If I use AWS, I need to make sure that AWS runs. I got to make sure that LinkedIn's available. How many times does the LinkedIn feed like freeze up on you? Or, you know, you've got to refresh it like three, four times, right? Now it's free, so you don't complain. But at the same time, if you are paying a dollar for it, you'd be like, this is BS and I want my money back, right? So supply chain is essentially the whole concept of uh, ensuring that all of these pieces continue to operate together and that in case one of them breaks, you're able to recover. So when we see a zero day like SolarWinds, SolarWinds is part of a larger supply chain. And what was compromised in the SolarWinds uh, zero day this week was their FTP, File Transfer Protocol. So think of Dropbox or Box.com or WeTransfer or any way you would share a document. Google is Drive. Exactly what was compromised. I'm sorry, Chris? Google Drive. Yeah, Google Drive, you name it, yeah. Um, OneDrive, yeah, yeah, we could keep going. The list is like endless, <laughs> you know, file sharing stuff. But that's what was compromised. And so this is systematic. Um, it's a great threat because imagine when I'm using a secured file transfer protocol, I'm not exactly sharing pictures of my kids at summer camp, right? I'm not sharing a, a random uh, publicly facing document. When I use my internal FTP uh, servers, I'm using, I mean, I'm sharing very confidential, very business-oriented information that's not for the general public to know. And that was part of the zero day. And that's what we know the Chinese got their hands on. Hashtag free Hong Kong. Right. So, so James, when, when you think about um, trying to quantify your, your third-party risks, what are some of the ways that uh, CISOs are trying to do that uh, these days? So when you look at risk for from a vendor perspective, we know one of the first things we all do, which is a standard, you know, in all, the entire industry today is a simple, you know, cybersecurity questionnaire with the vendor, right? Where they answer a bunch of questions. Uh, some of it is in Excel. Some of it today is web-based. A lot of companies have web-based stuff. So that's all, that's all good and dandy. And you ask them a bunch of questions and they answer it. And then you look at it and you try to evaluate the risk and the protocols that they're using. And in here, Chris, comes a conundrum. Are you ready for the conundrum? Absolutely, always. How much information do I need to know? And if I know all of that information and I do nothing about it, who's liable when something happens? And so you see the rock and the hard place you're in between when you're dealing with supply chain? Mm -hmm. So I, I, for example, we, I, I rate my vendors, you know, as a CISO, um, based on the amount of integration and the amount of information we share, right? 
So the more information, the more critical part of business they are, the more information we want to know, uh, the more seriously we take that relationship, and the more we look to be partners with their security program to ensure that if anything happens to them, it doesn't hit us downstream or vice versa, right? Someone uses us to target our vendor. That's also a possibility, and that's something that, that we, I have to consider all the time. And one of the lacking aspects of that is the, uh, the ability to really understand what all of that means. And, and for a lot of people, that's, that's a very difficult challenge. And what I mean by what all of that means is, what questions do I ask? What's a good security program? What's a bad security program? And how do I make those determinations, right? And what's, an, what's a good risk appetite? And how much clout can I have as a security leader to tell the business not to work with the vendor who may be critical for the business. So you can't say no. Yeah. And then on top of that, how much do you trust the answers which you're getting on the security questionnaire? Is it just filled out by the salesperson um, <laughs> just to get the sale? Or is it filled out by technical staff? And how do you validate that you're, you're continually doing this versus a point in time when you ask that questionnaire? Right. So, so this kind of takes the idea of a questionnaire, which I think is a very outdated, right? It's, it's, it's almost like a, uh, uh, they've taken the idea of a questionnaire, almost like a patient intake at a doctor, right? So the first time you go to a doctor and they're treating you, they go, um, hi, Mr. Chris, uh, wonderful, um, Christoph. So you're, uh, uh, have you ever had any seizures in your family? No. Okay. Thank you. Um, you know, but the, a year later, someone could have a seizure in your family, right? But if they don't ask you that intake, if you're with the same doctor for 20 years, there's a very good chance they wouldn't know and you get ill and they don't have all the information to treat you properly. And the same applies in security. These intake forms have to be done consistently. It's got to be a continuous monitoring program. It's one of the things that we talk about in security very often. And it's something for people that are trying to break into the industry to really bring with them from an attitude perspective, because I think from a hiring perspective, it gives you an advantage over someone who doesn't understand it. And what that is, is having a business site into security. So don't come and talk to me just about my Windows servers or how you know how to use Shodan or you know how to do a little bit of threat intel or you're an OSINT uh, uh, magnificent person and knows how to do OSINT. All of those skills are wonderful and magnificent. But the way I will pick you for a role is if I see that you understand how the business operates and how you're able to view the company. So some of the best questions I get from people who uh, interview for roles that are leaders in my organization are people who came and said, well, how well do we operate with DevOps? What kind of relationships do we have with them today? What are some of the what are some of the relationships you wish got better within your organization? Now, what kind of powerful questions are those when you're interviewing for a job? What does that show the hiring manager about you and about the way you view security? You view security as a business function. And I think that's very, very critical. When we talk about supply chain, we're not here to talk about zero days and how do we fix them and technology and all that stuff. We want to bring the human element, the kind of uh, advantage that will give someone who's trying to break into the industry is understanding the inner complexities, the spider webs of technologies and APIs that derive an ecosystem that is 50 tabs open on my window as we speak. Literally, I've got three and my fourth monitor will get here later today. I have four 
five, six, seven monitors in front of me as we speak. Well, six, seven will be here later today. BB much? <laughs> yeah, your your common backstage, by the way, if you look bored. No, I don't look bored. I'm trying to answer something on one of my monitors. <laughs> He's monitoring the seven monitors. It's tough out here. He's a stock um, analyst. <laughs> It clearly, I, I would never be a stock analyst. I still have a soul in my body. I have a soul. It's right here. It's away from my liberal arts degree. It's away from all of that stuff. It's right here. Liberal arts, 27 minutes in today. So I just want to point that out. We should start a pool for donations. When is James going to do liberal arts? Right. Get that liberal arts degree, James. So no, Al Minigan no. wants to know, SSO, single sign-on, bad idea for SaaS or supply chain? So depending on how you manage your SSO. So if you look at Azure Active Directory and some of the oh. new features that, that exist within. I'm, I'm sorry, James. I just want to make sure that we give the acronym. So SSO is single sign-on for sign people on. who may not know. Go ahead. So um, Azure Active Directory is essentially what Microsoft is. <laughs> I think it's the Okta killer. All right. I'm just saying that right now because I think. Most organizations use uh, Azure Active Directory. And, um, and so as they transition to Azure Active Directory, it's synchronization and the ability to use Microsoft as an authenticator, especially with uh, Microsoft Hello, um, is, is, is very, very uh, pretty decent. Um, so it, depending on how you manage it. And, and I think single sign-on is all about how you manage and administer it and how you build your permissions. Yeah, and, and to add to that, you can include uh, MFA and conditional access in things like yeah. your, your, your single sign-on to make it even better. So um, when it comes to managing your supply chain, uh, something like SSO is better than um, username and passwords uh, for each separate company that you might integrate with because it gives you better control of your folks when they go to integrate or to work with um, off platforms that you don't control. So um, you need to terminate someone, you kill a single sign-on and you can terminate them across the board. Yeah, you also, you've got someone whose credentials have been compromised, you turn it off once, that's it, game over. Uh, you don't have to worry about you know doing anything else. Single sign-on is very powerful, Al, but it's about how you manage it. And I think that's where, you know, it's like people who buy the best security tools and they go, I got the best security tool from the latest shining cybersecurity company. But then, you know, a few months later, it's not implemented. It's still on the shelf, but they've got it and their logos on that company's website. Um, but no one's really using it. No one's really implementing it or it's being mismanaged. So and, and, and we see that with a lot of breaches, by the way, is, is that mismanagement and misconfiguration is a really big deal. Thank you, thank you. So Al is here from Bye, Chris. Carolina. Bye, Chris. Chris had to run. Um, so Paul Cummings, a part of our efforts are trying to get transitioning service members as far as possible out from leaving the service involved in such con concepts as supply chain. We have been working on a lexicon that helps us identify how, say, a mess cook who has a data entry knowledge, forecasting, and risk analysis that could be highly adaptable to a supply chain environment. 
And I think that's one of the things, Renee, I, I kind of want to bring this up because we have a lot of people who may not have technical skills, you know, who are doing, you know, like Zoe, who's typically on here, right? She's She does a lot of hack the box stuff and, right. and Mr. P does stuff like that. And so many different people do that, that are on the show, um, you know, are doing all this stuff. But with um, supply chain, you don't necessarily have to be technological. Um, you've got to be analytical. And that's a very different set of skills. And your analytical, your, your analytical mind is what's working there. So you're almost, you know, you're whiteboarding and you're building all these different, you know, points that you're trying to put on something and you're trying to identify what are some of the risks and how do you position different data somewhere. And so you're able to build that knowledge over time, but that analytical right. mind is not something you can get in a cert, right? Like one of the things I love yeah. about Renee, Renee can make things very like, when I'm having a bad day, I know I can call Renee and Renee cheers me right up. Like just the way she answers her phone, that smile, just bam, game over, folks. Like you can't be upset anymore, right? But I try. Um, she she has that ability. So and and that's something that she isn't taught to Renee. She didn't go to a boot camp to get it, right? It's within her personality. And the same thing applies to analytical minds. You have an analytical mind, you're very analytical in nature. So there's roles within supply chain that are analytical to begin with um, and not very technical. Yeah. So I think the next part of the, and, and Paul, I think that's, this is a phenomenal effort that you're putting forth because it is, it's so difficult sometimes to figure out how it's like, you know, the what you know that you where you want to be, right? As a transitioning veteran or as anyone, right? Trying to make the transition. But you, people tend to think, okay, that expression, I'm gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like I'm starting from scratch. I don't know anything. The skills that I have, they don't know what to do with the skills that they have and what skills could translate. Because you may be thinking, I don't know this, or I've never seen this, but a skill um, that you that you get from either you know your time in the military or your time doing whatever it is that you did prior to wanting to get into security is very valuable. So I appreciate the effort that um, that Paul is putting forth and others um, in regards to this. It's really good work. Me too. I think what Paul is trying to do is a topic we're going to have for next week's show, which is called the cyber vocabulary, yeah. right? And one of, one, of the, one of the things that Paul's trying to do is he's trying to create a, a dictionary, a sort of lexicon that mm -hmm. translates military to civilian and then translates skills to job requirements. That's great. Right. And, and one of the biggest impact for veterans and, and one of the biggest challenges for veterans is if you've never served and you're interviewing a veteran, you don't really know how to go about translating the stuff that they say. So when right. someone tells me I led, you know, a unit for, you know, I was a, in, in charge of a unit that operated, you know, in the field with, you know, we did machinery work or we did, you know, artillery or whatever that is. Right. Um, or I was in an air base and I was in charge of running all maintenance on aircrafts. Well, you look at that and you go, so he was a mechanic, but you're like, yeah, but he was a mechanic for $600 million pieces of equipment, or, right. you know, like $350 million piece of equipment or a $25 million piece of equipment. And he, he was running the kind of uh, stuff that 
you know, some people don't don't do in their entire career at the age of 18, 19, 20, and 21. When yeah. some people were still, you know, drinking vodka, you know, this person was managing very, um, very, um, you know, very substantive equipment. And so th- that stuff is, is a huge advantage because it lets you know that the person has the capability to manage and see big picture. Absolutely. It's not something that you can get in college, right? Oh, I agree 100%. And I think Paul's efforts will be very, very useful for hiring teams, for recruiters, you know, because many of us that have not been in the military are not veterans. We don't know. So being able to translate that and, you know, most of the time I'm like, I know this is something big, but I just don't know what it is. (laughs) So the translation The translation is phenomenal. And then, you know, recruiters can be the advocates. Managers can now see and be the advocates. Um, I remember having, I was in either a round table or a conference. And there was, I believe there was someone from, it's one of the big companies. It might've been Verizon or one of these places that had their their veteran recruiting team um, and had passed out resumes and I can't remember for which, which particular roles, but passed out regime, resumes to this whole um, management team. And the management team kind of said, oh, no, 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 no. And they weren't interested. And the veteran recruitment team said, we're bringing in these people anyway. And they decided to bring in, you know, 40, 50 veterans and had a whole hiring day. And they said at the end of it all, almost every single person was hired because they were able to sit there, describe what they did, how they did it, how much, and it, the manager, you know, it didn't translate on paper. So, you know, the 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 effort that Paul is putting forth is is fantastic because that translation is definitely key um, to getting in front of these hiring managers that may not know what that 18, 19 year old was doing with that $450 million piece of equipment or, you know, the unit, how big it was, how many people he or she had to manage. I mean, there's so much that happens that we just aren't aware of. Right. So, um, Paul is saying, I cannot and will not take full credit for this lexicon. Jeremiah Parker is, is my counterpart on this effort. Paul and Jeremiah and team. Absolutely. Well done. Yeah, well done. Really well done. <laughs> Al Minigan says, thanks, very insightful. We'll consider moving forward when you talk about the SSO. Um, don't apologize for acronyms. We all use them. <laughs> I'm just being I'm just being cognizant of the people who are, you know, they talk about jargon just as a whole. We all say stuff, we chop words up because we're in the industry. So for people who have zero idea what it is, you know, we're just trying to try our best to um, be inclusive. Uh, David says, a lot of transitioning vets. Great to see these resources that Paul Cummings has created. We're, we're, starting, we're starting to see more and more of that, by the way, which is veterans are starting to see the impact of um, that cyber can have on their career. You know, and we talk about security. Um, I think Paul and I once were talking about Israel. And, I, you know, I think I mentioned it before, maybe here or on another show I do. I can't I can't keep in tune with everything anymore. <laughs> Um, You're all over, man. You're all over the place. <laughs> but 8,200 in Israel, which is their cybersecurity unit, is the largest unit by manpower in the entire Israeli military. So you hear of everyone coming out and saying, oh, I'm out of 8,200. And I, I'm, at that point, I, I become very dismissive of it. I'm like, yeah, but that's the largest unit. Like, 
anyone who wants to be in cyber or computers goes to 8200 like you know it's the right. largest unit of uh, it's the largest uh, uh, military uh, attache in Israel. Yeah, it's awesome. So I hope we see more of that here. Me too. I can't. I cannot wait. I can't wait for more and more veterans to get in and bring in more. Because soon as everyone you know break in the first batch, then you get into that management level and start bringing in some of the other peeps. So Chris Van Gorder says, "No Naomi. Naomi is off being a CISO. No Naomi today. <laughs> no Naomi today." Uh, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Paul is saying, doesn't want to spill the beans, but Naomi is offered to be the 24th, 7th, September 24th keynote. So woohoo. There we go. The whole breaking into cyber team. CISO Thursdays is just going to take over uh, on September 24th. Is that a Thursday? It might be a collabo thing. I, I, I don't know if it's a, it's a Thursday. Hang on. I'll tell you right now. Um, September 24th. I Paul, should... you might want to make that a Thursday. It's, it's a Friday. Friday. It's, it's a, a Friday. Friday. Okay, it's a Friday. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So yeah, folks. Again, we're open to questions, comments. Thank you so much for your engagement. Uh, but trying to just provide more resources um, and ways for us all to be thinking about not just, as James said earlier the pen tester roles, the analyst roles, the SOC analyst roles, like roles that are going to likely are getting um, automated or there's just not as many of them out there. Well, think um, of it like this. If you've got a 10 year, 10 years experience and anything else you've done, right? And you want to transition to security because you go, you know what? I enjoy it. That's where I see my career. That's where I want to go. How many hiring managers, and I'm glad Renee's here, are going to look at someone with you know, 10, 12 years of experience who was in a managerial level and hire them for an entry-level cybersecurity role. Right. It's not going to happen. It doesn't... So, it's, so it's apply not- for mid-management roles and sell your yeah. capabilities and, and learn the right. tech. I can always teach you tech. I can't teach you leadership. Like You either have it or you don't. Yep. Yeah, you're so absolutely right. And it's, it's one of the things that we did bring up in the book. And I think that people tend to, and veterans transitioning is different because, you know, you're literally transitioning, but the ones that are in organizations, the managers that are there, they always, you know, they look outside. Everyone looks outside of the org. My very first, you know, hire from within, look within first. If you're in an organization and you like it and you've had the you know, you've grown there, you've gotten the promotions, but you're just in a different group, you're managing, you know, James's uh, example earlier, you're DevOps, you're doing something else, you're, you know, somewhere else in in, um, in security, I'm, I'm sorry, in IT or not IT. You want to try to transition because that's where you get the lateral moves. That's where you take, you know, if you're the supervisor, if you're the senior level or you're the manager level, you can move over as a manager. You can move over as a senior. Um, You know, it's very, very few and far between in the organizations, the large ones that I've been in, where they're going to take somebody that's a senior or a manager and drop them down to, you know, something super entry level. It's like, no, we're going to take all the experience that you have. 
and then train you up in the technology that you need because you see the value in having that experience and having the managerial, being able to manage a team, being able to do the performance reviews and all the other stuff that comes along with that. So um, it's just very, very important. And, and James is right. A manager is not typically not taking someone for, for 10 years and sticking them into some role um, from the outside or the inside um, because they know the person's going to be bored in three months. Like you're going to be able to pick up this stuff very quickly. You're overqualified already. You know, take the take the information, the skills, your knowledge, your abilities, everything that you have already and transition um, as, as laterally as you can. So. Yeah, that's a that's a, a great point, by the way, which is, you know, you got to take everything for 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 what it kind of for what it is at face value. But you've got to be able to if you've got 10 years and you're applying for entry level roles and you're saying no one's calling me back. Well, I've got news for you. No one is going to call you back mm-hmm. um, because you're looking at an entry level role and you're going to get bored. It's not going to be worth it. And that's just a, that's just the truth. It has nothing to do with anything outside of the fact that you're going to really be bored and you're going to have someone else managing you. And when you're used to being managed and managing, um, you know, entry level roles right. um, and you go to be in one that's managing an entry level role, it, it, it sets you back. Um, yeah. You know, th- there's a ton of stuff that, that that you can you can, you know, do from a mid level management role um, that don't require you to actually know code or, or know technology. You, you need to be able to know how to manage people right. and learn on the fly and you'll learn on the fly. And, and, you know, honesty, I think ingen- ingenuity and honesty from leaders is always like the best. Like, hey, I'm here. I don't know everything you guys are doing but I'm definitely going to be learning from you. Uh, but at the same time, I'm here to make sure that you guys are able to do your job to the best way possible and that we're delivering on time. And, you know, you go forward from there. Yeah. Yeah. And most people will, to, to your point, James, the difficult areas are that mid-management, are that yeah. that 10-year, that eight-year, eight-year and up in between when you're either like the senior tech lead or the, um, you know, the lead position, a senior to a lead. So you can pretty much operate independently and nobody has to tell you every single thing to do, which is what typically entry level, what it used to be anyway, is someone that doesn't really have a lot of experience that, you know, first job, maybe out of school, out of undergrad or out of, you know, wherever, um, first foray and maybe into corporate as a whole. So literally telling someone step by step, these are the steps, this is how you operate in an organization and training you on the skills. So it's like a different kind of, go ahead, James. I I just want to say one one thing, Renee, you and Chris wrote an uh, a, a great book and I, and I got my copy um, earlier this week and I forgot to let you guys know. So I do apologize, but um, I got it. I still need you both to sign it for me, please. Um, so and we need you to do an Amazon review and everyone else on here do an Amazon review. Thank you. I will do an Amazon review. I will absolutely do an Amazon review, but I'm reading the book and I'm, I'm skimming through it. I should say. All right. I haven't had a chance to fully read it. I'm reading like four books simultaneously as we speak. Um, but I will say that you guys put a lot of really useful information in the book, a ton of useful information and practical stuff, steps that are practical to take, you know, 
you want to find a way to move and you want to find a way to get a job in security. You want to find a way to move. It's, it's about a few things. One, if I, as a CISO, uh, who's burning out at my role and I want to move, right? I'm not applying randomly to roles. I'm looking at the roles that are out there and I'm reaching out to the leaders who are hiring that role and I'm setting up conversations with them. That's what I do. Yeah. Right. And, 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 the, and I have a conversation, I understand what the role is. And if I'm interested, I take it. And if not, then I don't. Um, and, and I move along, but I got to find the right fit for me as well. It's not just about finding the job. It's about finding the right fit because cyber, um, for all of those kind of thinking that it's really super cool and that you're going to stop a nuclear bomb from going off two seconds before it does by doing this on your keyboard. <laughs> not going to happen. That's not how cyber so flying around behind you. Yeah. All the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Stuff going in there. That's, that's, that's not cyber. I'm sorry. Um, I know you'd like that to be, but it's not, um, let me give you an, uh, a 60 second insight into what cyber is. You are going to lose more times than you win. You are when you win, no one's celebrating your winnings because they expect you to win. When you lose all hell comes loose, all hell breaks loose. Everyone's looking at you and all the pressure is on your shoulders to fix it. You're constantly inundated with information, constantly. If you're not hungry to learn, if you don't like learning, if you don't understand the environment, if you don't like change, then cybersecurity is not for you. Laws change, technologies change, tools change, work orders change. We update our incident response plan every three months. I want you to think of that. And then we've got to practice it. We have a team that just does that. And those are changes that impact an entire organization because things change and we have to update our plans so that we can be ready for them. Okay. This job is not for people who want to eight to five and want to go home and kick off their feet and sit by the pool. Now you can do that in cyber if you're a sales guy, right? If maybe you're in marketing, but if you want to be a practitioner, you want to be hands on the keyboard or in the whiteboard, or in the meeting, or on the strategy, or in the GRC, which is governance, risk, and compliance, or you want to be in DFAR, or incident response, or any of that, those hours don't stop at five. The uh, cyber criminals or adversaries don't stop at five. They go, they know when we're home, they know when they can do this. We saw that with the uh, the Kaseya breach, right? July 2nd, right before 4th of July weekend. They launched a ransomware at 2 p.m., right? Yeah. Yeah. And they ruined the weekend for a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people had plans. Some people were already on vacation, right? right? They were on planes. They were with their families driving to a, you know, a, a vacation spot. So yeah. kind of keep that in mind is if you're coming into this and you're thinking this is a job that pays well and you're going to, you're going to, you know, have a career, it's, it's like a doctor. Like if you've ever met people that go into medicine, right? Um, they have no, they, they don't have set schedules. These guys work 12, 16 hour shifts. Exactly. And then I'm off my soapbox. And I feel like there may be a statistic out there. Don't most of these breaches, like most of the things happen on Friday afternoons? Or in, Friday? In, in some cases. I mean, in some cases, um, and, and, and in other times, it's planned to be released on a Friday. Okay. Meaning sometimes companies 
will be going through a breach from Monday through Thursday, but they won't say anything until Friday because the news cycle dies pretty quick over the weekend. Um, right. Right. Uh, with Kaseya, that was the complete opposite. The ransomware and then the ransom note went out and right. it disrupted the MSPs and it put companies out of business on a very busy weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember being when I was uh, sitting in the sock, um, it just seemed like everything, the, whenever something was about to blow up, it was a Friday. <laughs> well, was I'm not like, trying to talk people down from being in security, but I just want right. to set the stage of what security really is. Set, set the expectation. Yeah. A lot of times I see people trying to sell people to come into security and, and I hear them say like, it's a really rewarding career. And yes, but you have to be willing to understand that sometimes you got to step back. You got to take care of yourself as well. And that's really important. You know, Naomi and I talk about this a lot. Naomi talks about this a lot. I do a lot. Your mental health and your mental well-being are just as important in security. You got to take your PTO. You got to go on vacation. You got to step back. Um, you've got to unplug for a day or two a week. You have to. I do it uh, Friday night to Saturday to Sunday morning. I unplug, right? Like over the last few weeks, I've been on LinkedIn over the weekend because I've just been getting inundated with messages. Um of people. And so that's the only time I have to answer, but I unplug, I, I don't want to, you know, see or read or, or, or any of that. I want to spend yeah. time with my family and I want to invest in me. I want to go right. play golf. I want to go, you know, shooting, uh, you know, boating, whatever. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Paul Cummings, cyber has no holidays. That is the truth for real. Al says, got to get the book. Yes, Al, get, get that Al. book. Get, that get book. it. Read it and drop us a five-star review. No, review. <laughs> whatever review you want to give, but it'll be five stars. Yeah. Now, <laughs> whatever you want to give, but it's going to be five stars. I'm, I'm volunteering you what to do. Uh, Al says, I was fortunate to be promoted within and got the security role when it was created. I was asking HR and managers so they knew my interest as soon as it came open. Yes. Oh, that's exactly it, Al. That's exactly what people have to do. This is what Naomi is like. If I think about some of the things that she says constantly, this is one of the ones. Um, Paul had a good comment up here. Um, you know, the comment that always spins me up when a mentee asks me for advice, I want to be in cyber. Well, what of the 47 different roles do you want to do? Elliot and Mill cops are a great example of who I push to research DF and DFIR because they have the, the decades of chain of custody, evidence collection, and artifact collection coupled with laws is easy to provide resources um, that folks do, as Chris mentions, find yourself and what your passion is. So I agree with that, you know, knowing somebody that's bridging the gap that's in between knowing what we do, knowing what cyber is and knowing what, um, you know, the military functions are and being able to say, okay, this maps to this. You can use these experiences over here. It's just such a great, um, such a great skill. And Paul says, cyber has no race, creed, gender, or religion. Take that in thought when you're applying for these roles. Some advertisers thrive off companies taking their 72-hour holiday days off. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. Absolutely do. And then uh, this is Mark Schleisner. Hey, Mark. The book, absolutely five-star. Five stars. It is. It is very practical. And I got to <laughs> say, I enjoy practical books. I hate, I don't like theory books, right? Yeah. Like the theory of being a 
what is it, an eight minute work week or a one minute manager? Like those are the dumbest things on the planet, right? Like, I'm sorry. I know some people may be like, oh, that book changed my life and I'm glad it did. But to me, it was a theory book that had no practicality because humans um, can't interact in a minute. And if that was the case, then no one would have COVID depression because one minute of human interaction would be just enough. Exactly. And um, I was going to say with this book in particular, um, we what I love about this is that it's three different perspectives. So it's Gary the CISO, who also is a transitioning, who transitioned as a veteran. Chris with bringing the, um, you know, mid-level transition or coming from the help desk, transitioning over. And then he has the, the he's also a college professor. So that aspect and me from the HR side and the recruiting side um, and seeing what so many leaders look for um, when they are bringing in talent and transitioning talent. So the three perspectives I thought was just so cool to see with practical, like, hey, this is what you should do. You know, like I talk about in the recruiting section and working with recruiters and HR and stuff like that, people that go to headhunter type recruiters, like recruiters that work for agencies that are looking for talent. If you're breaking into the industry, it's not very much that we typically can help you with because our client is paying us a ton of money to find them the exact need that they want. So if a person is trying to transition, and, you know, we present someone, they're like, eh, this is not what I'm paying you for. <laughs> We're paying you to go poach the exact type of talent and bring us the exact type of person. Um, so we give that practical advice, like, hey, go reach out to the manager. What James said earlier, you know, find the a role looks interesting, reaching out directly to that hiring leader, finding out what they're looking for, having the conversation. We talk a lot about the networking component because we think that's very, very, very important. Um, I talk about in particular knowing kind of what Paul brought up knowing yourself, doing self-assessments, just understanding like, hey, that pen tester thing sounds cool or it sounds cool to be a part of incident response or just James with, you know, parts of security. Like if things are happening on a Friday night, you know, are you one of these people that when things happen or do you want to jump in or do you want to cower? Which is one of, I feel like, and I may have put the story in there. I don't know if I put it in. I think I put the story in this book. There was a, a manager that talks about someone who transitioned over. I can't remember if I put in this story and a leader. And she talks about bringing someone from, I believe the person was from like accounting. And long story short is the person, um, she felt there was a transition and she knew this person had good leadership skills and management skills and can manage people and all that stuff. And she also said to this person, hey, I can train you up as I can give you the technology. Um, but you have to be confident, you know, and come over. And so when a person moved over from either accounting or audit or something into security um, as a manager, he kind of floundered. Long story short is she asked him like, hey, when something's happening, what would you know, what come what overcomes like what what do you feel in your body? Like, what, what do you want to do? And the guy said, I want to go under a table. I want to put a blanket over my head or something. And she's like, this is not the, this is not for you. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you can't be cowering like we need people that like when these guys, when this stuff shows up, you just guns blazing like you got to get in there. And so he transitioned back. So, you know, we gave I, I, I believe 
can't remember how many stories I put in here, but I think I put in a story that was similar to that, but it's really, really knowing yourself and knowing like, is this something that I can, that I can do? Or is this something I'm good at doing? Is this something that's going to make me completely freak out, completely stress out, things like that. Um, Paul adds in here, take this as a great resource for anyone listening today, cybernight.us provides a cyber KSA. KSA stands for um, Knowledge, Skills, and Abilities Assessment. Very, very cool. I like Strengths Finders. That's one of my favorites because it's quick. And then, um, I mean, there's tons of them. But actually, for the assessments, for the list of some assessments, buy the book. <laughs> buy the book, folks. Buy the book. So we are one minute <laughs> to 2 p.m. Eastern. James, anything else you want to say before we wrap? No, not at all. Um, thank you so much, Renee, for everything that you've done, inspiring so many people in our industry. You're unbelievable. Same to you, my friend. Thank you for always being here. A wonderful ball of joy telling us about the liberal arts degrees and all that other fun stuff. Can't do it without you. You or the CISO and CISO Thursdays, especially since Miss Naomi wants to be taken away, going off and doing other stuff. But in any event, folks, she means next well. Thursday, Naomi means well. I know. I'm, I'm She's joking. She's getting pulled in 700 different directions. Naomi is a gem, gem, gem. And she knows we are joking around when we say, where is she? We know she is. We just miss her. That's why. Hard at work. Yes, yeah. we miss her. Um, so Paul has extra books to give out, which is awesome. Folks, next week we are talking cyber vocabulary. Be here or be square. We are going to put out and we'll a, also have um, a guest with us. We'll yes. also have a guest I think Chris Rodriguez. Yeah, we will. Yes, yes, yes. So exciting. You guys are gonna get the info early. Um, and you'll be able to like put it on your calendar and all that other good stuff. So stay tuned. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone.